John 14, 1 through 4, Jesus says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. May God add his blessing to our study of his word this evening. What do you do with your fear? How do different people react to their fears? Some people you know borrow trouble. They, they start thinking about every possible thing that could go wrong, and they start looking for every possible way that things might hurt them, and they, they, they just look for more ways to be scared. Uh, some people, when they are afraid, wallow in self-pity. Oh, poor, sad me. Some people just give up, go numb. But none of those are the way that God's people ought to be responding to fear. We are called by God to take captive every thought. And that means that we think well about things when the world puts false arguments up against the goodness and righteousness of God. And it means that we think well when we are attacked by our own nasty and dark thoughts. And fear is surely one of those. The text I just read to you is something that we worked through in, I believe, 2018, though I'd have to go back and look at my notes to be sure, as a sermon. And in that sermon, I gave us five ways to overcome a troubled heart. And I think that seems like a good thing for us to just go over briefly. We won't do the whole sermon by any means, but what we will do is remember those five ways that you can find in John 14, 1 through 4, that God gives us to help us battle our troubled, fearful hearts. So if you want to take some notes, you can. If, you, if you're one of our PRC members and you've been here on Sunday mornings a while, you probably got these notes written down somewhere, but I don't know how that works for you. So each point here will say overcome a troubled heart and then give you a reason or a way. So the first one is overcome a troubled heart by remembering Jesus's compassion. Overcome a troubled heart by remembering Jesus's compassion. Look at the beginning of this where it says, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. The setting of this story that we just read is in the upper room. It's on the night of the Last Supper. Uh, it's, it's the Passover meal. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. Jesus has told his disciples that he was going to be betrayed by one of them. Judas has already left the group and left the room and gone out to fetch the soldiers because he intends to have them come and arrest Jesus. And Jesus has told his disciples that he's given them a new command, that they are to love one another. And the Apostle Peter and the rest of the group were really troubled by Jesus' statement that he was going to go somewhere that they couldn't follow. And just before Jesus says what we just read in 14.1, Jesus told Peter, you know, Peter, even you yourself are going to deny me before the sun comes up. And that really troubled the disciples. If Peter, his name means rock, Peter the rock, if, 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 he's, if he's not going to be able to stand with Jesus, how are any of the rest of these guys going to stand with Jesus? What in the world is Jesus talking about? Where is he going to go? Why can't we go with you? 
Who would ever betray Jesus? All these things troubled the disciples. How could Jesus possibly think any of us would do it? Well, as the disciples get more and more worried, as their hearts get heavier and heavier, Jesus speaks. And these words here in chapter 14, they come right out of that situation, so there's no change of the scene. Jesus looks, he sees the stress and the fear and the worry on the faces of the disciples after he says he's going to go away. And that's when Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. So, here's a question for you. When Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, is he just saying to the guys, cut it out. Don't be afraid. Don't be whiny. Man up. Is that what Jesus is doing? I don't think so. What Jesus does when he says, let not your hearts be troubled, it shows tremendous compassion to the disciples. So you might want to ask yourself, how is Jesus compassionate by saying, let not your hearts be troubled? Well, let me ask you to think again, what were Jesus's circumstances that night? Jesus was facing the cross. Jesus was facing hell on earth. He was facing the beatings, the crucifixion, the wrath of Almighty God for sins he never committed. And Jesus, looking at that, still cared about the fears that 11 of his friends were feeling at that moment. You ever have somebody, when you tell them about a hurt that you have, you ever have someone sort of top, try to top your hurt with theirs? When you think you've got it bad, let me tell you how bad I have it. Jesus was in that room facing the worst horror in human history. But Jesus, instead of telling the guys, hey, shut up, I'm the one who's going through something hard here, not you. Jesus reached out in kindness to comfort his disciples. Do you have troubles? Do you have sorrows? Do you have pain? Remember the compassion of Jesus. He's not aloof. He's not telling you just suck it up and press on. Jesus isn't telling you, hey, you think you've got problems, let me tell you about my problems. No, Jesus isn't like that. He's gentle and loving and compassionate. He cares. And he would look you right in the eye and he would say to you, let not your heart be troubled. So I would just urge you, see the compassion and the love in Jesus and let his compassion help overcome any fears and troubles you have. That's a compassionate Savior. That's the one you want on your side. Well, what are the disciples supposed to think about instead of their troubles if they're not to let their hearts be troubled? What should we think about? The second thing we'll see is to overcome a troubled heart with faith in Jesus. Overcome a troubled heart with faith in Jesus. In verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus tells them, if you kind of read it directly in the Greek, Believe in God and in me also believe. And there are two things that happen here. There's a big theological point being made here and a big help for fear here. Jesus first, when he says, believe in God, believe also in me, he is equating himself with God. That's a huge statement. If I said to you, hey, believe in God and me, uh, that would be a big claim on my part. Jesus was making that big claim. Jesus was saying, You believe in God, you should believe in me just the same because Jesus is the God in whom we believe. 
And in dealing with fear, Jesus tells us, remember our faith. When you suffer, ask some questions of yourself. Right now, in a time of fear, ask yourself, do I believe in the Lord my God or not? Do I believe in a God who is good and sovereign or not? We trust in Jesus. Our hope Christians is in the risen Savior. He conquered death. He knows what it's like to suffer. He can identify with our pain. So when your heart is troubled, fight it. And fight not just by trying to stop feeling bad, but fight by thinking about the big ultimate truth of the Word of God. Yeah, your situation hurts. and Many people's situations hurt right now. But there is a God in heaven above all things. There's a God who can comfort you and who can care for you in a way that nobody else could. There's a God who has shown enough compassion to say to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled, even when his disciples should have been the ones trying to offer him encouragement. There's a God who willingly suffered the horrors of the cross so he could bring salvation to his children. Think about that God. Remember him. And that will help you overcome a troubled heart. Then third, overcome a troubled heart by remembering your place in heaven. By remembering your place in heaven. Verse 2 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So Jesus is right here talking about heaven. In my Father's house, many rooms. This is a real eternal destination. There's room in heaven for everybody who comes to Jesus in faith. And when Jesus draws his disciples' minds toward heaven, he shows us that thinking about forever, thinking about heaven, thinking about eternity, helps us to deal with pain and fear in the here and now. Ask yourself this question. What thing do I fear today that I will fear in a year? What thing do I fear today that I will fear in 20 years? What thing do I fear today that I'll fear in 100 years? What thing do I fear today that I would fear in 1,000 years? We can overcome troubled hearts if we set our minds not on this short life, but on the place God has made for all of His children. Fourth, Overcome a troubled heart by looking forward to meeting Jesus. Overcome a troubled heart by looking forward to meeting Jesus. John 14, 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus points his disciples to heaven, and he says something that if you're not careful in reading this, you will miss it. And if you miss what Jesus says in verse 3 here, you're going to misunderstand what Jesus intends us to find most glorious and comforting about heaven. Jesus tells his disciples, if he goes to prepare a place for them, he will come back for them. That's good news. Jesus does prepare a place for his followers. We know that. So his promise is true. He is going to come back and get his followers. Christians, if you are a genuine believer in the Lord Jesus He's coming back to get you. Now, Jesus tells them, if I go prepare a place for you, 
I'm going to come and get you. But then he says, I'm going to, he's going to do something. He's going, to, he's going to come and get them for something. Notice it. Take a look at your Bibles and think about this. If I said to you, I'm going to build you a house, and then I'm going to come get you, you would assume that I'm going to follow that sentence up with, I'm going to build you a house, I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to come get you so that you can be in the new house I build you. It would make sense here for Jesus to say to the disciples, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and bring you to that place. That's what, it would, that's what would make most logical sense in our most natural reading. But Jesus doesn't say it that way. Why does he not say it that way? Why is he not saying, I'm going to come get you and bring you to your dwelling place? Why not focus on the house? I think the answer is actually simple when you see it. Jesus doesn't focus us on the house because Jesus does not want us to think not even for a moment that your future dwelling place is the most important thing that he's promising you. Jesus says, I will come and bring you to myself. Because being with Jesus is the number one most important thing in all of eternity. What makes heaven truly heaven? If you listen to some old songs, you'd think it's gates of pearl and streets of gold and bejeweled walls and a river of life and meeting your dead relatives who have had had faith in Christ and who are there. Is it the house? If any of those things are your primary focus as you think about heaven, you are completely missing the point. Not one of those things makes heaven truly heaven. What makes heaven truly heaven is this simple fact. Jesus is there. See, Jesus isn't just the way you get to heaven. Jesus is also the thing that makes heaven heaven. If Jesus isn't there, heaven would be hell. If Jesus isn't there, there is no reason for gold and jewels and walls and whatever else. If Jesus isn't there, heaven is empty and meaningless and totally worthless. But with the presence of the Lord Jesus in heaven, heaven offers us more than our hearts could ever want or ever imagine. And if you have a heavy heart, if you have a fearful heart, one of the ways you can overcome your heavy, fearful heart is what God commands here in in Colossians 3, 2 as well. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. God wants you to think about what makes heaven really heaven. He wants you to think about that Jesus promises to come and get you and bring you to himself so that you can be where he is because that will ease your burdens and dry your tears and fill your heart with joy. So overcome a troubled heart by looking forward to meeting Jesus. And then last, fifth, overcome a troubled heart by remembering Jesus at Calvary. Overcome a troubled heart by remembering Jesus at Calvary. Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. What is the way for us to get where Jesus was going? You know, the Apostle Thomas actually asked Jesus that question right afterwards in verses uh, 5 and 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says he is 
the way to get where he's going. Jesus walked through the cross and through the grave to be the way. How does that affect your troubled heart? When you fear, look to Jesus on the cross. Look to the Savior paying for your sin. Look to your Lord rising from the grave. Think it through. You feel sad. You feel miserable. You feel like your heart's broken. You feel afraid. But before you throw yourself the biggest pity party in history, take a look in your mind's eye at the form of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He hangs there, naked before a scoffing world. He's bloodied and bruised, swollen and barely recognizable. He's mocked by all around him. And even worse, he is for, only, for the only time in all of eternity, counted by his Father as guilty of the sins of everyone who would come to him. He's separated from his Father, though he's done nothing to deserve it. When you let the suffering of the Lord Jesus fill your mind, here's a question. Do you have room for personal self-pity? Do you really have room to worry? Do you have room to worry about what troubles your heart? Do you have the heart to look at Jesus in your mind's eye and then say, yeah, but I'm really afraid I'm going to suffer. A true glimpse of the Savior's suffering does much to help us overcome a troubled heart. I know many of us have reasons to be troubled. This is, after all, a troubling time. But God offers us solutions to having a troubled heart. He calls us to fight our feelings and replace our thoughts with righteous alternatives. Overcome a troubled heart by remembering Jesus' compassion. Overcome a troubled heart with faith in Jesus. Overcome a troubled heart by remembering your place in heaven. Overcome a troubled heart by looking forward to meeting Jesus. Overcome a troubled heart by remembering Jesus at Calvary. Church, I hope that is encouraging to you as you look for ways to overcome a troubled heart as well. I want to pray and we'll wrap up our time here together. Thank you for joining us and I pray God blesses you. If there's any way that we as a church can help you, we want to be a help to you, reach out to me, reach out to the deacons. They would love to assist you if we can. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us through Jesus ways to overcome fearful, troubled hearts. Help us repent of fear and be comforted in Christ. God, bless our church. Strengthen us to honor you. We pray it in the Savior's holy name. Amen.